Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. Amen. Amen. I'm going to come join you guys. All right. And I'm going to ask, I'm going to let you be seated for one second, and I'm going to ask Anthony and Anna to come join me up here too. And Chris, I've got one mic, and then they're also going to have another one, so whichever one they grab, you'll know where they're at. (laughs) Allison, if you give that to them, thanks. In 1 John, it says, For everyone who has been born of God, okay, I want to stop there. I need need you to think about this. Have you been born of God? Have you? Well, that sounded weak. (laughs) Have you been born of God? Yes. Yes. Whether you know it or not, that's what we're celebrating here today. That's the reason we enter into this. We have been born of God. We are a new family. I got a new last name. I got a new first name, too. I got it's all new. Those who have been born of God, those, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. That's good. That's a good promise. And this is the victory. This is how you overcome. This is, this is what you see as overcoming the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Thank you, Lord. Our faith. Believing is the victory that overcomes. Hallelujah. Victory isn't the victory. Believing is the victory. Amen. We get that confused sometimes. We think victory is the victory. Mm-hmm. Believing is the victory. He goes on to say, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Today, you're going to hear from several different individuals and how God is taking them on this journey of believing Him. And when we believe, we are what? According to this, victorious. Let's try it again. When we believe, we are what? Victorious. Victorious. Believing is the victory. This is Anthony and Anna Falcone. Some of you may have met them, some of you may have not. They have... Four children? Four children? (laughs) And it's like, yeah, I can't forget. I got four. And they're little. We remember those days when they're all little and you think, oh, Lord, will they ever grow up? They do. They do grow up. And then it's a different set of issues. But anyway, um, um, but uh, they're here and God's been working in their life. They were sharing with me a few weeks ago. And I said, would you be willing to share some of that? So I called them on Wednesday of this week, said, hey, are you still willing to do this? Because when I mentioned it last week, Anna looked at me like, you know, a deer in the headlight kind of look. And I said, would you do that next week? And she said, when I called them this week, they said, God did something just on Wednesday that was really incredible. I want you to hear about that. All right, why don't you welcome Anthony and Anna. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Like the pastor said, I'm Anthony, and this is my wife, Anna. We do have four energetic and beautiful kids. Uh, we have a story, a testimony that we'd like to share this morning. Uh, so um, I get paid biweekly, and on Wednesday mornings is when I have my direct deposit. So um, we were um, barely hanging on. Um, we had unexpected expenses come up. And um, we just, we were, we didn't know what to do. Like I said, we were barely hanging on. Um, Tuesday night, the gas light came on and uh, there was barely anything in the fridge. So Wednesday morning, I was looking forward to waking up and checking the account to notice there was no direct deposit. So at that time, I realized I had to tell my wife there's no money. Yeah. 
Um, so that was when I realized that it was probably because of President's Day and that kind of threw off the banking schedule. Um, yeah, so uh, thankfully I remembered that we had a gas card and we were able to get gas. Uh, but still, uh, the food was kind of scarce, and I had planned, I told Anthony that I wanted to get takeout. Uh, the, the day that we were going to get paid, we were finally going to have money, and takeout is a whole lot easier with four kids. So I was excited we were, we were going to get some takeout. And um, I didn't tell him, but I wanted to go to Sonny's, because they have, um, the kids say it's the good mac and cheese. They, <laughs> they, they eat the box stuff, you know, that's fine, but then they call Sonny's the good mac and cheese. So uh, that's what I planned on doing, and I didn't tell Anthony, uh, but obviously I figured that wasn't going to happen. We didn't have any money, and, um, and so I had a moment. I prayed that morning, and I just told God, I said, you know, please forgive me for complaining because you have done so much, and I have so much to be grateful for. It's just, you know, are we ever going to get past just getting by? And, um, and I asked them, can you please just do something, anything, just to be generous to our family? And, uh, and a couple hours later, I got a text from Anthony. So I sent her a picture of a giant plate of food, and I said, Sonny's had just catered to us today. <laughs> and uh, they had so much food, uh, so much leftover food, they didn't know what to do with. So they sent me home with an entire pan of mac and cheese. <laughs> yeah. And an entire pan of baked beans. Which that's what I get sometimes when we have extra money for myself. So it was funny that those were the two things that we got. Um, so anyways, now we're all gonna be eating the good mac and cheese for probably the next month. So he's, he's amazing. All it took was for me to ask if he would be generous, and he was. He was he's very kind. Thank you. And as the worship team is coming back, we're going to worship some more because it seems appropriate to worship after that. Um, one of the things that I really, and they won't tell you, and I understand why, but God was speaking to them about some things in their finances and trusting him. And they were struggling with that because it's like, Lord, we're barely making it as it is. And yet back at the first of the year when we talked about we're going to honor God with the first of everything in our life. And they decided, they came to me and said, you know what, I don't, we don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to honor God with the first of everything in our life. You cannot outgive God. You cannot. It's an impossibility. Now, he may give to you in ways you weren't expecting. That's not a promise of a new Mercedes in the parking lot when you go out, all right? I'm not promising you that. I'm simply saying that he will do more than you could imagine in your life when we will simply trust him. All right? Lead us on. I'm going to let you have a seat again. You get to rest today. Today's a day of rest, all right? I'm going to ask Emily Chapman to go ahead and come on up as Emily is coming. I was talking to Emily here a little while back. And by the way, just so you know, just because you talk to me doesn't mean I make you do this, all right? Um, I, I just want to lay that out. Each here, uh, I asked them if they'd be willing maybe to share at some point publicly. And, um, and they each said, yes, we'd be willing to do that. So just because you talk to me doesn't mean this is where you end up, all right? Um, but Emily was sharing with me some very personal things that she's walked through and God's been taking her. And again, what I see in her life is her believing God 
in difficult situations and the work that he has done and is doing in her and how he's using her now to be an encouragement and a blessing to others. So I want you to welcome Emily. As she, Emily Chapman. Thank you. As he said, my name is Emily. Um, I've been a part of this church for quite some time. Um, yeah, and since around the age of seven, I've been a believer in Jesus and since I was 15, I've been following him fully. But the testimony I want to share with you starts back kind of in the middle of that when I was about 10, and I started to experience same-sex attractions. And as a 10-year-old who was also a sheltered homeschooler and um, in a Christian environment, that was very scary and kind of confusing a lot. I denied it for a long time, thinking, no, I just, I just love my friend or, like, female friends, like sisters in Christ. There's no way this can be. And there was a lot of shame and fear and guilt that was associated with that. And I didn't admit it to myself until I was about 17 years old when I realized, no, this is a struggle that I deal with. And I, I need to do something because I don't know what to do or what, how... God can help me in this. And um, my senior year in high school, I finally told somebody before that I kept it hidden from everybody, mainly due to shame. And it was a great conversation, um, but it was one that I wish I had more of. And then the sheltered homeschooler ended up moving to college to a public university of 50,000 students, which was filled with a lot of challenges. Um, one of the biggest differences, though, was that was the first time I heard people saying being gay is okay. And that was new. And it was something that um, was attractive or something I hadn't heard before, and it sounded good. But God had my heart, and I knew anything had to bow down before him first. So that led me to a journey of trying to see what did God say about this and how did people interpret passages in scripture that talked about it and what led as a journey in this of trying to seek out knowledge and um, any interpretation ended up um, leading me into discouragement, into more shame and just becoming so defeated that I became depressed and even um, started to go down the route of suicidal thoughts. And thank God he used a friend to see me in that dark place and to um, speak truth and tell me that, no, you're not worthless and you're worth being here. And um, I started after that seeing a psychologist, which helped a lot. It helped me to pinpoint the fact that I felt like there were two me's um, kind of fighting against each other. Now I would describe it as my flesh and then um, my spirit joined with God's. But I still didn't know what quite to do. So kind of as a last resort, I met up with a discipleship leader from high school. I was here um, in Brevard County and I met up with her and for the first time I told her what was going on and I told her I'm struggling with homosexual desires, I don't know what to do with them, I'm also depressed and have suicidal thoughts, what do I do? Um, and she ended up just speaking love in the best way possible. She told me she still loved me just as much as when I entered the room with her before she knew and still loved me just the same, if not even more. And also she told me truth, 
in a loving way, and she challenged lies that I believed. And just if you have somebody that is willing to speak that kind of truth and love to you, keep them, definitely keep them. Um, but one of the best things we did was we decided to pray and talk to God and see what he said. And she asked me to ask God, what are the lies that I believe? And then if there are any, what does God say about it? What is his truth? And after fighting um, the devil's lies of him just constantly telling me, you're worthless, he doesn't want to talk to you, he does, hasn't want to talk to you for months, he's ashamed of you. After fighting away those lies, um, he finally whispered in a silent yet one of the most loudest whispers of just saying, the lie is that you are a part of homosexuality or that you are part of the gay community. And the truth is that you are my child and you are my daughter and I love you. And in that moment it clicked, the fact that attractions or who I thought I was, who the world thought I was, it does not matter. Only thing that matters is the fact of who God says I am because he made me. And I am beautifully and wonderfully made, and I am his daughter, and he loves me. So I left that um, meeting feeling like a burden just fell off of my back. And since then, it's been a journey, <laughs> a journey. Um, and there's been a lot of learning, and mainly learning how to wake up every day and surrender that to just in a way, bow down to him and say, you're Lord, you're going to decide what happens in my life. Mm -hmm. Even if it means surrendering same-sex attractions or any struggle that I have, it's surrendered to you. So I just wanted to speak that encouragement to all of you because um, I know this might be a room full of people who maybe they have a family member or a loved one um, who has come out and they don't know what to do about that. Or maybe you are also a Christian who has this struggle or any other struggle that um, is usually um, uh, filled with shame. And I just want to speak that encouragement. You're more than welcome to talk to me about it. You're more than welcome to talk to any of the church staff. But yeah, you're more than welcome to come up to me and get coffee or anything just for me to share um, more of my story and just encourage you. He loves you dearly. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are, you are God, very God, and that you love us right where we are, not the way we think we're supposed to be, or even what someone else has told us what we are. You love us where we really are. And so, Lord, we praise you. I praise you for what you're doing in Emily's life, what you're doing in our lives, and I pray for those today here who have their own areas of struggle that they have guilt and shame attached with it. I pray, Lord Jesus, you'd speak to them today. Guilt and shame and condemnation are not from you. They're not from you. I pray you'd speak and they'd hear your voice today. And if that is you today, right now, before we go any further, just say, Jesus, I'm listening. What do you want to say to me? What do you want to say? You be listening throughout this morning. He wants to speak to you in a way that you can hear.
And so, Lord, we believe that. I believe that with all of my heart, that you are not silent, that you speak. So speak to your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. song but don't you love that that's one of my new favorites in my list of 100 or 200 new favorites that's right there in there oh my sins there were many his mercy is more don't you have a seat James I'm going to ask you to go ahead and come up here and grab a mic um, you need James needs no introduction you all know him James and Heather James speaks here on a regular basis Last Sunday afterward, he came up to encourage me after the message and, and just the way God had me share with you all. And he was a real encouragement and, and I thanked him and I said, you be praying for me because I have this sense from the Lord that the next week, this today, that God wants to have more of that from the body. And I'm not sure exactly what all that's supposed to look like. And would you pray for me? And so he said he would. And then he texted me a day or so later and he said, Troy, I'm in praying but I think I'm part of those who are supposed to share. And of course, I know him and trust him. And so I said, absolutely. So would you welcome James as he comes? Thank you, Pastor. And thank you to the others and Emily that shared this morning. Um, I'm gonna share some things that are kind of connected with the message last week that Pastor was sharing. Before I do, whoever picked the songs for today, you're fired. Okay? Because <laughs> to be reminded that he's running after me was almost more than I could stand to hear this morning. One of the challenges of being a preacher and a pastor is finding the balance of sharing about yourself and your testimony within the context of the message and directing people to the power of Christ, but not overwhelming them with you and forgetting to talk about Christ. To not, you're concerned about, am I going to scare them away by what I share with them? Um, I liked what Pastor said last week. I'm at a point where you can't think any worse of me than I think of myself and have thought of myself. <clears throat> Somewhere around four, five, six, seven, I don't know because I blocked it out and I disassociated for a long time. I was sexually molested by a babysitter, an adult babysitter. She was part of the church, she was friends of the family. So I didn't know what to do with that. I was in a culture where you didn't talk about that kind of stuff. I was in a church. My father was a pastor. I love him. He wasn't a perfect man. Um, but that's as far as you get to go with that. Because I love my dad. So don't, don't push any further than that. All right. I'll agree with you that he wasn't a perfect man. But we didn't talk about these kind of things in the context of church. Part of the reason I'm sharing it is not to solicit sympathy for the rest of what I'm about to share. It's to identify and connect with anyone else that's going through, have been through 
that particular struggle in your lives. <sighs> to recognize that for children especially, <sighs> the Bible says that everything has a season. And there's some things that when they are out of season, when they're taken out of season, when that Pandora's box is open too early in a child's life, it just wrecks havoc. And some of you that maybe have gone through what I went through know that yourself personally. The thing, it just messed up life for you. It confused what was supposed to be good with what was bad. It took pleasure and made it perverse. It, it just does all kinds of things that weren't part of what God's plan was for us. And so I grew up, and I'm struggling, and I'm facing those challenges. Introduced to pornography at an early age. Had a season of struggling with that. All the things that come along with that. Now, in the midst of that, I was kind of laughing as God and I were talking. I, I did have a Joseph moment. I was in high school, and out on a date with a young lady a couple years older than me. I didn't know on that particular date we went to the movie. Her house was empty, and she had plans for me when we got back to her house. And I was offended by that, and I was bothered, and I was upset. And I wasn't even driving. She was driving. And I demanded, you take me home right now. And I broke up with her the next day, and I didn't speak to her anymore. And, and I had this amazing Joseph moment. But unfortunately, it was followed by too many Lot's wife's moments where I looked back, and because of peer pressure, because of the world's pressure, because of Satan's lies and whispering, I looked back at that moment and thought, I wonder if God is holding something back. Did I miss out on something? I should have spent more time in the Garden of Gethsemane instead of the Garden of Eden. In Eden, the lie was being whispered that you're missing out. Look at here, all your friends are doing this. The world's doing this. Instead of being in Gethsemane, where I should have said, Lord, not my will, and not what I want, but what you want, Father. And so that just continued to build and add. And so when the next opportunity came along, I didn't pass that up. Last Sunday, pastor started reading some verses of scripture, and I wrote them just so I wouldn't forget them. And he started reading these verses, and he started talking about the things that proceed out of the heart. He talked about evil thoughts. He talked about sexual immorality. And as he was doing that, I thought to myself, he found my untyped resume. And he started reading these things off. If you're old enough, you remember a song back in 1973 by Roberta Flack called Killing Me Softly. So I'm sitting there last Sunday, and it says, if you don't know the song, someone goes to hear a performer sing, and as they're singing the words to the song, they're basically telling this person's life story in that song. Doesn't know them, but they're telling their story. So last Sunday, I'm sitting there, and he sang as if he knew me in all my dark despair. And then he looked right through me as if I wasn't there. I prayed he would finish, but he just kept on strumming my pain with his finger, 
singing my life with his words, killing me softly with his song, telling my whole life with his words, just killing me softly. And so I'm listening, and his pastor's preaching, and I'm going through this checklist, and he says, fornication, sex before marriage. I check. Evil thoughts, lust, check. Murder. And I thought about 1 John 3.15 that says, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. I thought I could get away with that one, but... <laughs> But, but I thought I could just simply say, yep, I've hated people, so I'm a murderer. He said, no. Come back. I was part of, agreed with, maybe even suggested, aborting a child. Having repented of that, that child who's now in God's arms, is named Adam, my firstborn. One of the hardest things that I could imagine is when I see him in the kingdom, and I have to say, because my life wasn't ready, I took it out on you. Pastor kept reading. He tends to do that sometimes. <laughs> he said fornication, sex before marriage, and then he clarified adultery. Sex after marriage. I had to check that box too. False witness, slander. Pride. The list just kept going. And at one point as Pastor was talking about the, his struggles and the things that he had, had done, I wanted to stand up and just kind of say, Pastor, I'm with you. But I didn't want to distract you from what he was saying. I, my, my thought was I would stand up and then all across the room, people who could identify and connect would stand up and we'd all stand with Pastor. And we'd all say, yes, I've had that struggle. Yes, I committed that sin. Yes, I was right there too. But then I came and talked to Pastor afterwards and I realized this is when I'm supposed to stand here. And so, the early seeds of pornography drug those into my marriage and had those kind of expectations. My wife said that I could share about her, but I don't want to. I'm going to share about me because a lot of what she battled and struggled with is my fault. It's the things that I did. It's the things that I brought into our relationship. I thank God that pastor kept reading because later in the verse it says that such things were, were you. These are the things you used to do. These were the things that were part of you. These are how you were. And then he said, but. How many of you remember Schoolhouse Rock? Conjunction, junction. <laughs> Conjunctions, hookup words and phrases and clauses. And, and so but is one of those coordinating conjunctions. But it's special in that it is a contrasting or contradicting or contravening conjunction. 
And what I mean by that, it, it takes that first part of the phrase and then flips it over and changes it on the second half of the phrase. And so when pastor got to that point, the verse says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Part of the difficulty of the message was a piece that might have skipped over several people here, is the pastor said that he gave his life to the Lord at a young age. So did I. I was young. I cried out. I believe God heard me. I believe God saved me. And so what broke my heart last week is to realize that all of that struggle, all of that sexual sin, all of that stuff came after salvation for me. It was on the other side of the cross. I didn't live 20, 30 years as a sinner running wild and being rebellious. That was after I knew him and had prayed to receive him. But then I remembered, but. Amen. But I've been saved. I've been washed. I've been changed. I've been transformed. I've been renewed. All of that credit goes to the power of God. I couldn't have done any of that. He did that. At that early age, when I gave my life to the Lord, I also perceived what was my call to preach. And so imagine growing up all those years struggling. You're not preaching yet. You're kind of like David waiting on his crown. But you're struggling all that way, going, how am I going to stand and preach with all this baggage, with all this garbage, with all this junk? But, <laughs> that's how. But, not because of you, but because of him. Amen. I have all this junk, I have all this stuff, yes, but holiness has a name. Victory has a name. The word has a name. Redemption has a name. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. It's because of him and it's because of his truth that I'm set free. I'm praying for all of you. That if you are struggling in any of those areas, if you are battling any of those things, it's that thanksgiving. It's that gratitude. It's that heart that says, Lord, you and you alone are my victory. Thank you for these few moments. God bless you.